Good morning. Man, it's high up here. Don, <laughs> um, you in these days that we're living in and the limitations we have, you've been able to be with Ken? Yeah. Okay, at first you weren't? Okay. Yeah, uh, understandable. We wonder why why you didn't go if you if you didn't. So uh, tell him hi, and we're praying for him. So you know, remember the family also. It's sort of hard times. So um, anyway, <clears throat> you want to find in your Bible Luke chapter one. That's uh, the text we'll have today. And uh, there's a show that aired. I don't know if you. I did not watch this show, but it fits in my introduction, so I used it. Um, there's a show that was called uh, Fear Factor. Anybody? And it made, uh, it was on from 2001 to 2006 on NBC, and then it tried to make it come back in 2011 and only lasted a year. Uh, it sounds like MTV's trying to, you know, Again, have it on. But um, each show, six contestants from around the country battle each other in three extreme stunts. These stunts are designed to challenge the contestants both physically and mentally. If the contestant is too afraid to complete a stunt, guess what? They're eliminated. If fear was allowed to control you at that point, you lost. Fear. What do you do when you're afraid? Or better yet, what do you fear? Some people have a keen fear of snakes. I know others who fear spiders. While someone else fears heights or darkness. The Bible speaks of fear. And it speaks of fear in different ways. Fear could mean respect with regard to power and authority. When when the Bible says, fear God, we understand it to mean to respect him and his power and authority. That's who he is. Fear may mean in the Bible anxiety about certain, certain circumstances. As in the passage we have today, when... The directive is, fear not. Don't be afraid. Stop being afraid. Fear may refer to just, you know, being scared. In the Bible, it says, I will not fear what man can do to me. 
And then our understanding of fear and as we read Scripture and we try to get an understanding of what's going on in our lives when that happens. Sometimes in that process we equate spiritual maturity with the absence of fear. If I'm a mature Christian, I won't fear. Doesn't John say, perfect love, and you may be thinking of this passage right now. Perfect love what? Some of you can finish it. Cast out all fear. Yet John is speaking about our motivation, the motivator in our life. Fear is never a good motivator. In John's passage, when he speaks about that, love is the motivator. It shouldn't be fear, it should be love. Fear occurs in the lives of godly people in the Bible. Joshua. Joshua 1. Fear not, Joshua, as he gets ready to go into the land. Abram in 15, chapter of Genesis. Fear not. Mary in the first chapter of Luke. Stop being afraid, Mary. And Zechariah. Let's read Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 5. In the days of King Herod of Judea, there was a priest of Abijah's division named Zechariah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Two people that are really familiar with ministry, aren't they? Both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame, according to all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no children. Because Elizabeth could not conceive. And both of them were well along in years. Naturally speaking, they were beyond childbearing years. When his division, that is Zachariah's division, was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, it happened that he was chosen by lot, not the person lot, but casting lots, according to the custom of the priesthood, to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside while he was inside doing ministry. An angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the altar of incense. At the hour of incense, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. And Oh, I read that verse again. So, standing to the right was the uh, angel, and when Zechariah saw him, he was... What? This Bible says 
startled. Your version may say troubled. And overcome with fear. He was engulfed by fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. And in the language of Scripture, the idea as far as timing is, he was already he was already afraid. And the angel saying, Stop. Zechariah, calm down. I got something to tell you. Because your prayer has been heard, the angel says to Zechariah, your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. There will be joy and delight for you, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and will never drink wine, or this version says beer. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit while still in his mother's womb. He will turn many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous, to make ready for the Lord a prepared people. Zechariah says, how can I know this? For I'm an old guy. I'm a senior. I'm an old man. And my wife, she's old as well. And what you're saying isn't possible. He didn't say that. That's basically the meaning. We're we're old. The angel answered him, I am Gabriel. Who stands in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you. And tell you this good news. Now listen, listen. You will become silent and unable to speak until the day things take place. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting outside for Zechariah, amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. Where is he? What's going on in there? When he did come out, he couldn't speak. When he went in, he could talk. When he came out, he couldn't talk. Then they realized that he'd seen a vision in the sanctuary. I guess he somehow signed that that's what happened. I don't know. He kept making signs to them and remained speechless. And this verse really seems anticlimactic. When the days of the ministry were completed, he went back home. After all of that, he went back home. 
what I want us to understand or look at and, and, and see today are, is sometimes when God comes to us individually with a message, with a plan, we experience fear and tension while he implements that plan through us. Because you fear doesn't mean God's not going to work his plan. Your fear may just reflect your honesty with God. Zechariah and Elizabeth are described as a couple who serve God with all their heart. Here's a priest and his wife dedicated to service and ministry. Luke describes them as righteous and blameless. I mean, look at that. Verse 6, both were righteous in God's sight, living without blame according to all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. It's like nobody does that. Nobody can do that. Nobody can do all of that, can they? But Luke is talking about their commitment, their love, their dedication. And Zechariah was serving in his priestly duty, which for some priests in that day, what he did this day was a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It wasn't Sunday after Sunday where he came and preached. By casting lots, the priest was chosen. He was a member of one of 24 divisions of priests. It's 12 months in a year. So each division could serve two weeks out of the year. And the priest who served in one of those days, during those weeks they could serve, they were chosen by casting lots. And the lot came up, lots came up to Zechariah. And he went into the altar of incense, which stood at the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from view and access. He went up to that altar of incense. And while he performed his ministerial duty and was carrying it out, poof, I don't know how it happened, but all of a sudden, there's an angel standing to the right of the altar. Well, Zechariah, being a godly man, was not surprised, but took the presence of the angel in stride because, after all, he was righteous, and, and hey, it would just be natural for an angel to come to him. Is that what it was? Not really, was it? Here was a what Luke records was, And the reaction of this godly man says he was troubled, startled. I would be as well, wouldn't you? What are you going to do when you go home standing to the right of the refrigerator as an angel? Luke says that fear gripped him. It engulfed him. 
He was surround. He was covered. He had fear inside and out. You see, fear is a created part of life. It's not. It's not something that is sinful. Perhaps how we process fear, we might choose to sin. But fear in and of itself is not. Fear is part of our created being. The Navy SEALs train for the process of fear, processing fear. And what they do is they recognize, as the scientific community does, there's a part of the brain that deals with emotion. And there's a part of the brain that deals with thinking and decision-making. And when we fear, there's, a, there's that part of the brain that reacts first, and then our thinking and decision-maker catches up. And in the Navy SEALs, they, they train about that. Fear is a created part of life. And so it's not surprising that Zacharias was like, whoa, what do I do now? (laughs) The other thing that fear does is begin to make us focus. It was like he was there at the altar of incense, but I'm sure it's like, oh, man, I I don't know what's going on here, but I got to focus here. So the angel speaks first. Zechariah is speechless. The angel says, stop being afraid, Zechariah. (laughs) Does that seem like, I don't know, just seems like inadequate to me. It's like, just stop. I'm already afraid. I mean, you know, just stop. How do I do that? Are you kidding? You pop in on me like this and then tell me not to be afraid? Sometimes when God meets us, he troubles us and stirs up tension in our life. He creates a situation in which we may feel uncomfortable and may, may spur some fear. Matthew records and may trouble our spirit, as it says here. Matthew records what Jesus experienced in the Garden of Gethsemane. He writes that Jesus' soul was, you know it, don't you? Trouble. Jesus. And sorrowful. As he prayed. And what did he pray? Father, if there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. That was Jesus' prayer. The Son of God. The center of God's salvation plan. Without whom we have no hope. But he prayed with a troubled and sorrowful spirit. So, Father, if there be any other way. Now, I can't wrap my head all around the theology of that. All I know is what the Bible says. 
And if Jesus was troubled and sorrowful about what he knew he he God the plan was, I know I can experience that. And it doesn't make me bad. And it doesn't make me immature. When our walk with God involves pain and loss, we may honestly cry out in the midst of fear and distress. But similar to Peter's strong declaration that he would never deny Christ, we might say, not me. I would never be afraid. I trust in God. I would never have fear nor a troubled soul. I trust in God, and he will see me through. Now, those aren't bad words. But to deny the, your humanness when Jesus himself in the garden experienced a troubled soul and sorrowful about a, a, such a significant event as him sacrificing his life. It is certainly presumptuous upon me that I will never experience distress, trouble, or fear while following God. Listen, here's a man who is described as blameless and righteous, and yet he was troubled and scared. So, that all being said, was to make the point that fear is real. It's a part of the Christian walk. And if you're going to follow Christ, you will experience it. But will it be your motivator? Or will love allow you to process that fear? Not only is love real, but love, not fear, motivates. So Zechariah was afraid and troubled, but he didn't run. He didn't quit. He said, man, I'm out of here. This has never happened before. I don't know what to do, and I'm gone. He stayed. And the message was good news, the angel said. And he spoke about what God intended to do in his life. He and Elizabeth. (coughs) He learned about his prayer life. As he stayed to do that, he learned in that moment when he feared, he learned about his prayer life. In verse 13, says, the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, because you're what? Prayer has been heard. He was receiving an answer. Now, let's remember, he's old. And the prayer that the angel's talking about is what prayer? The prayer for what? 
a child. He's old. And we see later on, he he says, and my wife is old. She's past childbearing years. He was receiving an answer to prayer, and, and I wonder, I just wonder, when it says that his prayer was answered, I wonder if he had quit praying for a child. Because he was at a point where it wasn't going to happen. And yet the angel says, that prayer, Zechariah, (laughs) it's being answered. Sometimes when we voice our prayer, we may quit. But God still listens. He was learning about his faith. He became mute. He he was told by the angel he became mute because he didn't believe. (laughs) How does that happen? How does an angel come and, and all of a sudden he's there and you're talking to him and he's telling you something and you say, I don't believe you. You know, maybe, and and it happens, and I'm I'm sure I could have said, done the same thing. I don't believe this, right? Sometimes when we say that in some situations, I don't believe this. This is incredible. He learned that in his life he was very dedicated, but also in his life there was room for growth in faith. That in all that service, he still needed to learn and believe in a God he didn't fully understand. And he also learned about the mercy of God, the promise of a son named John, the forerunner of the Messiah. C.S. Lewis wrote about, wrote a little booklet called A Grief Observed. And he wrote that in reflection and, and ta- writing about his grief experience after his wife, Joy Davidson, died of cancer. And in The Grief Observed, And in his struggle, and in his conversation with God, he wrote, I'm trying to understand, not that I am, I think, in much danger of ceasing to believe in God. The real danger is of coming to believe such dreadful things about him. The conclusion I dread is not, so there's no God after all. But, so this is what God 
is really like deceive yourself no longer. Sometimes in our spiritual journey, atheism is not uh, a tendency when difficulties come. Instead, it's as Lewis declares, our struggle is to accept God as he is and how he works. Zacharias' unbelief that the angel said he had wasn't that he would deny the existence of God, but that he didn't believe what God was telling him. He believed in God, but he didn't believe the promise. He didn't believe the message. How am I going to know this is true? Sometimes it seems sort of harsh. The way, you know, it seems like a legitimate question to me. How is it going to happen? Mary asked the same question, didn't she? It wasn't atheism, but it was an unbelief that needed to make room for a new understanding of God's presence and purpose and his work in his and Elizabeth's life for his kingdom purpose. Listen, I may be afraid, but it doesn't mean I cannot be used by God. What he's telling me, the message I'm receiving from him, may cause me fear, but it doesn't mean because I'm afraid he can't use me till I get rid of the fear. I may struggle with my faith, but it does not mean I'm not redeemed. The angel said, you're going to be mute because you don't believe. He didn't say because you're not saved. There was another man in the Bible, one of my favorite guys, who said, I believe, but help what? My unbelief. You can walk with God, be redeemed, be his child, and have questions and struggles. And I find myself having a hard time, but it doesn't mean the plan is not working. Just because I struggle doesn't mean God is fumbling to get it done. It may be in my struggle that God gets it done. There was a, a young lady uh, who was being trained in evangelism. And so she had went out and shadowed the, the leader, and it was her turn. You know, they switch. And so after you learn so much, then you become the one who shares. So they went out, knocked on a door. It was going door to door. They knocked on the door. And it was her turn to start the conversation and begin. And she started the conversation. And uh, the gentleman who answered the door kept interrupting her. And what about this? And what about that? And she didn't have answers. And she became weak and struggled and finally she just broke down and cried 
And in the midst of that, (laughs) this guy who was so aggressive and confrontational ended up receiving Christ. Now, in that moment, before he did that, she felt like a failure. I may find myself having a hard time, but it doesn't mean the plan's not working. I just need to continue in loving God and following him and being honest. How did the day end? Zacharias started with his unique ministry opportunity and ended with his inability to speak. Elizabeth may have been happy. I don't know. He tried to do it with sign language, but the Bible doesn't tell us how effective he was. All we know is after his service was completed, when he stayed there and completed it, he went home. How do you think he slept that night? For approximately nine more months, he was unable to speak, while Elizabeth kept herself hidden, it says in the passage, for at least five months, celebrating God's blessing of her pregnancy. Here are a few lessons to take home. Our commitment does not guarantee our convenience. When we seek to follow God, it may not fit in our plans. It may call us to a change. It may not. But what happened in their lives changed and challenged the daily existence and routine of this husband and wife. In little and big ways. Here's one that's hard for me. Prayer does not have a due date. Zechariah and Elizabeth were well advanced in years, and Luke tells us that God's message through Gabriel was Zechariah's prayer was answered. Don't you think they were praying during the childbearing years when they were young? I think they probably were. I probably would have quit. But, if they did, prayer doesn't have a due date. What you've prayed doesn't mean it's still not in God's ears, even if you quit. Don't allow years of service to divine relationship with God. Zechariah and Elizabeth were advanced in years. He had served many years over and over, yet today... He learned by experiencing something new from God. Even in his senior years, Zechariah experienced God in a new and fresh and purposeful way. In his old old age, he probably had the highlight of his spiritual walk. God is never done in your life and in mine. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your faithfulness to us, for your mercy and grace, your truth, and how you continue to use each and every one of us 
as you have planned and purposed for your glory. Help us to understand that. May we be honest with you in our fear and in our anxiety and in our trouble and with our questions that we may grow in our relationship with you. We continue to pray for Pastor Ken, for Don and the family. And Lord, I pray for each person in this congregation and in this church that you will help us to understand and help us to cultivate a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.